Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Ross Ingalls. Building a new home in New Zealand produces on average two full skips of construction debris. If demolition is involved, add another 13 skips. Nearly all of that material goes to landfill. In Auckland, 40% of landfill waste comes from construction and demolition, a proportion that puts us well behind international best practice. In this episode of This Climate Business, two people with a solution. Property developer Nigel Benton recently finished an eight-unit residential build in New Lynn in Auckland's West. He partnered with Dr. Terry Ann Berry, Professor of Environmental Engineering at Unitech Institute of Technology and co-founder of the Environmental Solutions Research Centre, to divert 91% of the project's waste from landfill. It's a model the two want to replicate across the construction and demolition sector. Nigel, Terry Ann, welcome to this climate business. Nigel, let's start with you. Am I right in understanding that you completed these eight units without sending a full, sorry, a single full skip to landfill? Yeah, that's right, Ross. And firstly, thank you for inviting both of us here today. I mean, it's great for us. We're trying to make such a difference to the, the industry. And it's so hard when you see all this stuff just diverted into landfill and we've got so much to do. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it was. And it was a great thing, actually, uh, very rewarding to do. And um, we had a great time. All the guys on site were very good. And um, it worked really well. Very impressed with the way things went. Mm. Were you surprised that you managed to divert so much? Yeah, look, I think I went into it, we were thinking maybe 60 70%. And then we talked to Mark Roberts, um, Senior Waste Planning Advisor at Auckland Council, and he gave us the challenge of 90%. And you're a bit sceptical, I suppose, at the start. But once we went through it and you could see the numbers coming through, I mean, very heartening and, and certainly great to see and gave us great encouragement. Mm. So, Terry Ann, I suppose the obvious primary question is what's wrong with sending construction waste to landfill anyway? Look, it's a great question and, and there's multiple answers for that one. Uh, fundamentally, landfill was set up as a public protection um uh, solution. So essentially, it's a way of keeping the public away and safe from our waste products. Mm. Um, it doesn't really allow for much treatment to occur. And in terms of construction waste, most of the products are quite inert, so they don't break down over time. So you're not really getting treatment. It's really just a holding station. Mm. So that in itself is a problem because um, land isn't limitless in New Zealand, and we do have a lot of land, but as we fill our um, landfills up, we have to find more land, and we've got a lot of urbanisation going on. So there's the land side of it. But the other side of it is that some of this stuff's really good stuff and we're just wasting it. We're just throwing it away. And we've got such an incredible um, uh, construction industry. We've got lots happening, lots of new houses being built. We could be reusing rather than just wasting this stuff. And that material takes energy to produce. So, you know, in terms of carbon savings, if we weren't throwing it away and we were reusing it, we, we'd be making a, a great contribution. So, Really, we should be looking to use some of this really, really valuable material and be resourceful. And am I right in thinking that we're really bad at it in New Zealand? Unfortunately, we're not great. Yeah, I mean, mm. it, it, on a global scale, we're not brilliant at it. And it's something that we could definitely do better. And that, you know, is on a domestic scale as well as an industry scale. Mm. So, Nigel, I understand that you were doing all of this for the first time. Can you tell me what you did? What? How did you divert this waste Okay, so 
we started with Mark, who, who um, introduced us to Terry N for a start, and, and Junk Run as well, which is a company that specialises in picking up waste and um, taking it to the certain recyclers and diverters. Uh, so, so we met with them. They gave us the, the schedule as how we do it, and um, we had bins on site, as in smaller wheelie bins and bags for the plastic and bits and pieces. And it was just a matter of labelling it clearly, so everyone who came on site could see where to put everything. It was probably harder for the older ones, you know, they're, they're set in their way, and we're all brought up with this bin culture where it's easier just to throw things in a bin rather than separate it. I didn't think it was any harder doing it this way once we got into the pattern of things the first couple of weeks were probably the hardest you know you pick up something shit we've got no bin to put it in um but but once we got into the swing of things it worked quite well so you make it sound really simple is it as simple as separating uh waste uh on site yeah look it's education i think it didn't really take up much more room than it would just having a skip on site by the time we had it set up properly and and it's once we have the education systems in place and if you're teaching to people as they come in, you know, we have health and safety, you've got to train them on that. We're just training people on on how to separate waste as it's coming off site, basically. So, yeah, no, it's not that hard. Okay, the scenario I understand is that you're separating the waste into separate piles, I take it, or separate skips. Where does that now go? So... The problem you've got is, first of all, encouraging people to separate it, as you've mentioned. So separating it, making the signage clear, making it obvious which material goes where and making sure that it's not too contaminated with dirt and dust. That's number one. Once that's done, the hardest bit is actually finding somebody to take it. Mm. So depending on the material, um, we looked at different providers. So for our pipes, we sent them through to Marley that recycled um, HTPE, which is high density polyethylene pipes and PVC piping. Um, with our soft plastics and soft plastics, incidentally, that was the biggest amount of plastic that came off the site. There was a huge amount. About a third of all plastic waste was soft plastics. So okay, so I'm thinking here, yeah, these are like the plastic wraps around bales of insulation. Absolutely. Right. Yep. So things you normally used in packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the problem with that is often it gets dropped on the floor. So it's dirty. And once mm-hmm. it's dirty, it lowers the value massively. So sending it to a recycler that would recycle it back into that material, which would be our ideal, suddenly becomes very problematic. They don't really want to take dirty stuff. So then we have to look for another alternative. Um, we used a company called Saveboard, and Saveboard were taking the soft plastics, even if it was a bit dirty, and using it to make um, signage and multi-use boards. Um, and, and that was a really good model because what you were asked to do was then buy back those boards to use them in your building, mm. um, which was was a good way of keeping it quite circular. And those boards were recyclable. Um some of the other products, like polypropylene, went through to a recycler down in South Auckland called IP Plastics. Um, but again, it was it was a small-scale solution, and it was solutions that we found just by hunting people down and asking them, will you take this? Um, first thing we had to do was analyse every single piece of plastic that came off the site. And that was the sciencey bit that I really liked because um, that's, that's what I do. So we analysed everything, found out what type of plastic it was, and then we had to look for solutions for each bit. So it sounds a little bit like you're, create, you're creating a reverse supply chain. A little bit, yeah. Because mm. these relationships didn't exist. You had to 
create them. That's right. But it, I mean, that's not all of the story because, of course, we could go and find recyclers, but in, in an ideal world, the plastic wouldn't be there in the first place. So we didn't stop there. We went back to suppliers and we spoke to suppliers. We've spoken to Mitre 10 and Carters and placemakers and said, look, you know, is there any way that these sorts of packaging plastics can be reduced? Do we really need them? And, and come up with some solutions, certainly for some of the issues, to try and reduce what's coming onto site in the first place so that the builders don't have the issue to start with. Really, recycling is it's just one step back from landfill. We'd mm. much prefer to not have it in the first place or reuse it. would be much better. So, Nigel, you've you mentioned, sorry, that this required training people working on site, your builders, your, your sub-trades, mm. to essentially to separate this waste. Was that doable? Were they keen for it or was this all kind of foreign territory for them? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think once it's a, one of those things that we were saying to the guys on site, and they've been the same since they're doing the next projects and bits. Once you start, you can't go back. Mm. It's one of those things that even if you're at home, you pick something up and you're looking at it and think, shit, what can I do with this now rather than throwing it in the bin? The problem we have is no matter how far you push it, we just haven't got the recyclers yet. We haven't got the places for the volumes that we want to create. So we're going out and we've got so many builders and people in the construction field that want to do this recycling but we've got nowhere to send it. We haven't got the infrastructure in place. And you can put government funding you can or levies on things. You can do what you like. But until you've got somewhere to send it, how do you really get those volumes up? And that's what we really want to start pushing. Right. So you were able to find a home for the waste from – most of the waste from this particular job. But yeah, at that's the, right. At, at very large volumes, mm. they, they won't be able to absorb it all? Yes. I mean, some of those solutions were really just sort of bespoke solutions that we were managed to tap into. But I think, you know, on a larger scale, it's not just the capacity of some of the recyclers, but it's the logistics. I mean, some of our recyclers have very small um, recycling facilities and they're not set up to have large trucks coming back and forth, back and forth every day. Um, and even if they were, the transportation is another issue in that somehow we've got to transfer our wastes to the recycler. Now, if you're a small residential builder and you're driving from Auckland to Hamilton to take a bag of plastics, mm. are we actually really gaining anything? <laughs> so there's that side of it too. And so looking really at our transportation infrastructure and maybe working on maybe some reverse logistics would, is something we'd like to look at in the future. I mean, how mm. many lorries are coming back empty that we could mm. hijack? So it kind of goes to a question I was going to ask you anyway, which is just how replicable this model is. And it sounds like there's some work to be done in New Zealand, at least before this becomes very broad based. Yeah. I mean, Nigel hit the nail on the head when he said we need more recyclers. We need more New Zealand based recyclers to make this work. We need um, a better solution in terms of being able to transport our wastes. We need a better solution in terms of where we collect our wastes. Um, having some centralised places to collect would be a great idea. But then for that to work properly, we need to really up our game in terms of education for the construction industry so that the collection is of materials that can be recycled because mm. You know, we found ourselves that some of the some of the articles that ended up in the recycling were really quite dirty or quite um, contaminated and ended up putting them in the bin. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the plastics themselves, we actually recycled 68% by weight, which is fantastic. We're really happy with that. But, you know, the, the stuff that we couldn't recycle was because it was dirty or it was um, contaminated or it basically there was no recycling outlet for it. Mm -hmm. um, and that really needs to change in Auckland for us to be able to make a big difference across the sector. Nigel, I know that construction and demolition waste was brought into New Zealand's National Waste Disposal Levy in the middle of 
2022, and it now costs $20 a tonne to Mm. lift that stuff into landfill. Has that made a difference? No, no, not at all. It's just another cost that goes on to your consents or whatever it does. Are you going to change it? No, because people need a consent, so they'll pay what they have to to get that through. And I've talked to Market Council saying, you know, he was asking the same, should we introduce a waste levy? And um, saying, well, you can't until you've got the recyclers to take stuff through. How do you force people to recycle when it's got nowhere to go? So what we'd like to see, and I think the way we're pushing it at the moment, is go and see the manufacturers and get the manufacturers to try and have a recycle source for the product that they are producing. Mm -hmm. If you do that, then we go to architects and get the architects to specify the products that have a recycle end, and then you can put pressure on the others. Sounds like you bought yourself the project of a lifetime. Yeah, which is great. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to make a difference. But what we do need is Terry Ann has got so much knowledge. Market Council's got so much knowledge. We need funding for this. You know, they can't do it. There's so much wasted money the government are paying for stuff. These guys can make a difference, and that's what we need to do. So what is it that we're getting wrong in New Zealand, Terry And What is it that other countries are doing that means that they have this demand for large quantities of recyclable material that we're not doing in New Zealand? Well, we're a little bit behind the eight ball in New Zealand, unfortunately, if you compare some of the strategies in other countries. So, for example, in the UK, there's actually um, lots of advice that's given out to contractors. There's, there's a real drive to reduce construction waste that we just don't have here or haven't had here. It is getting better, though. Um, although I don't really want to work uh, think to, too much about the levy, the levy in England is a lot higher than it is in New Zealand. And that's not the only solution. Nigel's already said it isn't, but it is part of the equation. Um, Another part of the equation is making sure that people realise that this waste has a value. So there could actually be some cost savings in the future if people are more resourceful with what they're using. So there are benefits to be had, but we're not, the awareness isn't there. And that needs to change. And one of the things we'd like to do in ESRC is actually improve the education and demonstrate the savings that can be had and actually the benefits to the environment. Right. It sounds almost like you're, it's not the total answer t- to this, but it's like creating a market. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely for this right. Material. Yes. Right. So, so talking about money then, Nigel, what, what are the economics of diverting construction waste from landfill? What you did on this project in, in New Lynn, um, was that more expensive than just tossing everything into a skip and sending it off? Yeah, so that's the problem we have at the moment, isn't it? That it costs more money to do the right thing. It's easier to put it in a bin and get rid of it. We would save on average about 10 grand per site. I would say if if we could just throw it in the ground, put it in the magic fairy, comes along and picks it up and, and it disappears off site. But you're not doing the right thing. That's the problem. We have to get more people recycling before we can get the costs down. But you can't get more people recycling until we actually get the cost down. So, you know, you're on this catch-22 all the time. So right, yeah. so there's a chicken and an egg. Yeah, very much. Mm. Yeah, I just wanted to say that you, you need to look at costs in a couple of ways. So in terms of the plastic waste management, we, we estimated that it was about $600 extra to manage the plastic waste, which isn't massive. When you look at all of the wastes, and remembering that we used an external company to help with that, Nigel's right, it was around about 10 k But if you look, the Auckland median house price at the moment is $1.1 million. And we're talking about an extra 10K. We're looking really at about 0.1%. 
it's not massive. I know if you said to somebody buying a house, we're going to stick an extra $10,000 on this, that it wouldn't go down very well. But, you know, in the scheme of things, it's not a huge difference. Now, the other thing to bear in mind is if you look at carbon savings um, and, you know, that it's going to change and we're going to end up having to talk more and think more about carbon emissions. Um, and certainly the weather at the moment has given us a good reminder of that. Um, if you look at carbon emissions, if you were to take all of the plastic that we recycled and we worked out that to actually extract and process all of that plastic, we would produce about 3000 kilograms of carbon dioxide. To put this into context, in 2020, there was about 15,000 new homes built in Auckland. Mm. Now, if you were to reuse those plastics rather than putting it into landfill, that would be approximately the same as taking 1,500 cars off the road that year. Right. So when you put it into those terms, you can see that, yes, financial, it, it is important. We, you know, builders need to make a profit. That's what they do. This is their livelihood. Mm. Um, but there are so many benefits to be had from being resourceful. And that's really what we're trying to promote. Mm. So, Nigel, question for you. What do you think the appetite is from the the trade the, from the building and, and demolition sector for this kind of change that we're talking about? Oh, huge. Yeah, people want to do it. They really do. But we're struggling with where to send it. What do we do with it? Who do we take it to? Where do we send it? That's the only issue we've got. Mm. So, yeah, if we can make that easier, ideally, saying Terry Ann and she's the same, if we could have an app on your phone. And you've got something on site. You you know you separate your plastics, your timber, your metals, whatever you do. You go into the app, you open it up. Here's the recyclist. You ring them. They come and pick it up, um, or you take it there. That's we need to make it easy for people, and that's what we're trying to, I suppose, organise at the moment. Mm. How long do you think, Terry Ann, before we get to um, the position where we're routinely diverting ninety percent of construction and demolition waste? Oh, look, we've got a little way to go yet. Firstly, we haven't got the, the facilities or the recyclers available. However, it is changing. And what we're doing in ESRC is we actually are creating um, an app and a website where there's a plastic catalogue so that you can go onto the plastic catalogue and identify plastic type via imagery. And then you can use that to connect up with a recycler if there was is one available. Of course, they aren't available for every plastic type. Um, so that needs to improve. And I do think that this is, you know, probably 10 years away before we're in a situation where we can really get this going for um, the majority of the construction sector. But we've also got to have buying. And how long does buy-in take? How long does it take to mm -hmm. infuse and get people to join the party? I can't give you the answer for that, but we're going to try and take our enthusiasm as far as we can and get people on board. Right. And you, you are not short of enthusiasm, <laughs> I can tell. Um, is a political component to this too, terri -Ann? Uh, yes, I think there is. Um, at the end of the day, it's never going to be popular if you start increasing levies and fines on people who are trying to, um, you know, in an industry that, that's, that's very, very active and there's a huge amount going on and there's already quite a lot of pressures on this industry. Um, but I think, unfortunately, the pressure needs to be there, but only if we can provide the solutions at the same time. There's no point in putting all the pressure on this industry and not giving them solutions. So I think this they need to work hand in hand. Right. So I can understand your mission, Terry Ann, at the SRC. Last question then is for Nigel. Nigel, I know that you are Vice President of the Auckland branch of Master Builders. Uh, so you're, you're in a position of some influence. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you... Where the next few years take you on this mission? 
Yeah, I think it's just not so much master builders as well. I think, you know, certified builders, we were just talking about the the Chinese Builders Association and everything else. We want to get in front of everybody. You know, this is an industry thing. It's not just about one. And we, we want to promote it out there to everybody and try and get everyone on board. That's what it's about. You know, it's, it's not that hard. It's easier if we can get the end recyclers. We can make this happen quite quickly. Right. And did I understand correctly that you're um – stepping out of uh, day-to-day building and to devote more time to this project? Yeah, look, at this stage, this could have been our last project. We're looking, we don't have to build anymore. So just looking at different options and I can spend more time on this. This is what it's about now, you know, changing focus and really pushing this goal because I think it's very important. If you go and stand at a tip site and you watch what's coming in there every day, I mean, it's just brutal. Mm. Nigel Benton, Dr. Terry Ann Berry, thank you both very much for joining us on This Climate Business. Thanks so much, Ross. Yeah, thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to This Climate Business. If you like the show, please rate us as it helps others to find us. Ka kiti anō.